What is up? How is everyone doing? Welcome to all of our new listeners and welcoming back all of our old, list- old listeners to the sick man. We are back. It's actually week seven for us. Um, a lot is going on in the NBA. We, we had a, a packed week. Just before, you know, we say hi to our GMs. In fact, let's say hi to our GMs. Okay, so we've got, you know, welcome House Lasky. You've got House of O3. You've got Bomb Bar Wildy. You've got Lancashire Lambeer. And you've got Salt Bray. Now, as you know, in the sixth man, we are all competing for the number one seed, right? We all, we all won that number one seed. And the person with the most wins and the highest win percentage gets a number one seed. Now, how we currently have it is I'm picking sixth. But I'm going to make a suggestion um, and I'm not going to be authoritative about this. You know, I want to open this up in, in a quick discussion, either yes or no. I think it should happen. Now, for every team that finishes below 500, I will be picking ahead of you. And that is the, that is the proposition I will make. So we currently have three teams that are below 500. So right now I'll be picking in the third spot. And the reason I've said this is because if you go to the playoffs, if you're below uh, 500, you're normally like an eighth seed. You're not, you're not, very, you're not very high in the seeding. So that is the, the claim I would like to make. Um, and I just want to ask if what the GMs think about that. I mean, it automatically guarantees you like the third or the fourth pick. Just like, all that, like that's just it because of the, how that's how the maths works. So I'm a little bit like, yeah, because it's the top, it's the top 16, uh, yeah, it's the top 16 teams out of 30. So there is a, there is a kind of a parallel to the league there. This is just yeah. a ploy, so you can pick the sixes. This is Bray, this is, Bray, Bray, Bray as you said yourself, Bray, as you said yourself, you know, the Heat are going to turn it around. You can get a lot more wins, so you should be over 500, as you said yourself. I think it's completely fair, to be honest with you. I agree with Bray. I think you're just going to, you may as well change your name to the third man, not the sixth man. <laughs> <laughs> you're changing also, the goalposts halfway <laughs> through the season. Not exactly. That's, that was my big thing. Is that it's a lot easier to see where it is now. If you just said this at the beginning, I'd have said fair enough, fair enough. But no, I'm not. I'm, well, I'm, I'm not voting for it. Jordan. <laughs> Oh, I mean, we're one and two. We don't care. We know we're going to finish above 100. We know how to pick teams that will win in the NBA. So we're fine. We're sitting handy in the top with yeah, our all two of the, teams in New York, with our two teams in LA. All the people complaining are below 500. And can I also just say... <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, but you below 500. That was not the question. Now, <laughs> you're all like 44 and then you're two, play- two players on 40, 47%. So it's pretty close. Listen, we're going to revisit this next week. Just think about it. You know, think about it. It's like, you know, I don't know. Just think about it. Okay, let's get into the division discussion, shall we? Because there's a lot to digest. We normally give the headline to the best team. And it is the best team this week. The undefeated, my team, to the city of brotherly love, where a potential MVP... Something in the air. Something in the air. Bye, James Wildsmith. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers to get up in my seat. So I'm excited. Let's do it.
as you said, potential MVP, where he rests in that city. He is on a tear. Uh, the team actually had to play a game without him this week, but they still pulled out the win. So they're 3-0 and this week, which is looking good. Just now puts them on six, uh, 15 and 6. Um, really, really big game by the guys. They were actually down against the Pacers without uh, Joel. They were down by 20 late in the third. They rallied and outscored uh, Pacers 37 to 15 in the fourth to pull out the win, which is amazing. Um, real spark off the bench was Cork Mars, which is really, really important because when they're going to be looking to make deep playoff runs, whenever you have lots of different series, you always have those weird games where you have you know, deep rotation guys that just go off. And it's nice to see these personalities emerging uh, at this point in the season for Philly. Great point about Cork Mars. In that, in that Pacers game, he hit some huge shots. But what actually changed that game is Doc Rivers switched to a zone defense in the fourth and the Pacers, they just couldn't score. Um, and that's our first win without Embiid. Like you said, that's that's something we needed. Um, Wildy, I want to ask you a point about the bench mob. We've had good contributions from Cork Mars, Mr. Hall of Famer, you know, DH39. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mr. Shake. Who is the most valuable for them holding the fort while Embiid is resting? Because the plus minus is, is a lot lower when he's off the floor. Absolutely. Well, you'd like to think it was Dwight. Um, I mean, you know, he provides that big body, he's high energy, um, can continue that defence uh, that, that Embiid brings. Doesn't quite bring the offence as much, of course. Um, but I think, you know, it's Shake Milton. They had they they had the intentions of him becoming the primary ball handler at the end of last season when things weren't really working out with the team dynamic. Um, but you know now they've sort of figured that out that side of things. Shake has taken his true role, in my opinion, um, and is now coming off the bench. Um, and what he's doing is is he's coming in for Simmons, allowing the Simmons to rest early on. So that by the time they rest Joel, they bring Simmons in and then Simmons can cook with the paint nice and free uh, for him to drive, um, which again, he was having his way in the paint against the Pacers. Um, his layup at the end of the first half was so nice. He was falling down on the far Oh, the up and under. Yeah, and just like, mm. you could tell it wasn't what he wanted to do, but he pulled it off and it was real nice. Um, and to the point about Doc's defence real quick, I mean, his message to the guys was, um, you know, you can't rely on the, your offence. You know, uh, your offence can let you down, but you've got to maintain the confidence that if you can keep up the defence, you can still win games even when you're not making your shots. Um, which is really good. And, and as you to your point, you know, that's what helped him out in that, that fourth quarter. Let's talk about the fresh prince of Philly, Ben Simmons, uh, averaging less points this season. So he's averaging 13, 8 and 8 with 1 point steals, 1.7 steals and 1 block. Mm. And then on the other hand, you've got Tobias Harris. He's Ooh. averaging 20, 20 points seven rebounds and three assists. He's shooting 51% from two and 46% from three. My question to you, Wildy, if if somebody had to get a nod for All-Star, who would it be? Straight on, I'm going to tell you it's Tobias Harris, okay? It's Tobias Harris because I feel with the East being so loaded, Ben Simmons' offensive output hasn't been enough and let's face it, flashy enough 
for him to to become an all-star over Tobias. You mentioned about his 51 field goal percentage, uh, which is amazing. He's also shooting 46% from three, which gives you two of the top most efficient three-point shooters in the game. Tobias Harris is 10th, Seth Curry is third, which is just fantastic. So when you think about Ben not being able to shoot threes, they really make up the difference um, in that, in, you know, up from the perimeter. Um, Tobias's efficiency can't be ignored. Um, also, we keep harping on, but without Embiid, he had a season high. So he really took the onus on himself to get the scoring output uh, that he needed to do. Because we all know he's capable of it, but he's really accepting his role as that second banana on the offensive end. Because Tobias and, um, and Simmons are really two sides of one coin. Tobias is the offense and... Uh, and Simmons is the defense. You know, they, they complement each other perfectly uh, with Embiid being number one and Simmons and Tobias being 2A, 2B. Yeah, big shout out to Tobias. He obviously hit the game winner over Caruso to win the Lakers game. Uh, that was a big shot for us. And then we beat the Timberwolves and the Pacers. The last thing I'm just going to say on Philly real quick for... We move to the six. Um, is M Embiid? This might be his year for MVP. So I am excited. Um, I'm very excited. These years don't come around often, so he's got to take full. Yeah, he's just got to take charge of it, and uh, hopefully, he can stay healthy. Oh, yeah. Now, let's move to the six, six, six. Uh, Toronto, two and two this week. They are edging closer to 500. They're they're climbing back up that hill. Lancashire Lambert, door is still shut. How are you feeling, my man? Yeah, the door's shut, and the Raptors are slowly, like you say, creeping back up. They're nine and twelve right now, ninth in the East, um, two and two in this past week. And we're obviously at the start of the season; they were pretty horrendous. They were they started off one and six. Since then, they've won eight and lost six. So they've definitely recovered their form. Um, they're winning the games that they should be winning. No offence to Ed's Magic, but they should be winning both those games, which they did. And the defeats, yes, they lost to the Bucks this week, but that's, there's no shame in that. And then even against the Kings, who are pretty similar level teams to them this year, it was a narrow defeat. So they're a much more settled unit now than what they were four weeks ago. I watched that uh, Kings game. They made a ridiculous run uh, and a player that popped off the bench up for them was, uh, I can't even say, is a Japanese player, Yuta Wantabe. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's coming out of nowhere, scoring in the clutch. Um, he might overtake Rui Hachimura as the Japanese Michael Jordan break. So you need to watch out for that. Um, can we talk about Fred Van Fleet? So, Mr. Matt, this... So last night, Fred Van Fleet, for nobody that knows, scored 54 points in the win via the Magic. He was scorching hot. He hit his first 11 out of 12 three, three, uh, from three. He finished with 54 points. This is the most for an undrafted player since Moses Malone scored 53, which was 39 years earlier. My question to everybody here on the, uh, from any GM is, who is the best undrafted NBA player ever? Um, I have a list in front of me. Um, I can read out that list to familiarise you guys. Yes. So you've got JJ Barea, Udonis Haslam, 
John Starks, did this man just do this? <laughs> John Starks, yes. uh, Ben Wallace, Bruce Bowen, uh, Wes Matthews. These are uh, recent players, the most high-profile ones. So there's a couple of lists. You guys. I would say it's either Wallace or Bowen for me, um, having the having the biggest roles on on championship teams. Obviously, JJ Barea's got got a ring as well, uh, and obviously is is a journeyman, but um, not really up to the same level as uh, as Ben Wallace or um, uh, um, Bruce. Wasn't yeah, I mean, Ginobili also undrafted? Sorry, did you mention Ginobili or did I miss him? No, Ginobili, Ginobili was drafted. No. But the weird thing yeah. with Ginobili is that they drafted him, but he didn't then come over for another two or three okay. years. Excuse me, I forget how long, but that was the reason for that. Sorry, Wadi. Uh, it's all good. Um, yeah, I agree with Bray about Bruce Bowen. Um, yeah, yeah the, the championship uh, side of it is great. And it wasn't just that he was like a rotation guy. He shut down league MVP and Steve Nash at the time uh, to get them into the finals. So he was like, he was there, Tony Allen. Uh, he was there, Ben Simmons, to um, put it in modern perspective. Yeah, he's, he's their lockdown defender for key guys on the other end. Another cool thing about the Fred game is that he actually spoke on the phone to DeRozan, who he surpassed, who, whose record he beat um, after the game. And DeRozan tweeted out yesterday and said, well, I knew Lowry can couldn't do it basically so that was really cool <laughs> um matt norman norman powell has started to emerge within the starting lineup maybe to boost uh, the scoring for them because i know a lot of their big time players have been inconsistent have you seen much out of norman powell yeah it looks like he's um started um when siakam's been um uh, resting and it looks like ananobi's out for the next week or so so it'd be interesting to mm. see if he um gets more game time but um yeah, it seems like he's making a good contribution. And, yeah, like, even with, like, Siakam, his form is a bit hit and miss at times. Like, he'll score 31 game and then 13 the next. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how how he progresses with the team and how the Raptors pick up. But it, it looks at the moment that they the Raptors do need more su- support from those players other than, like, Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam, because... Um, them three all rank in the top 15 for min- minutes per game at the moment in the league. Um, they're, they're, they're all averaging 36 minutes per game, so it's quite a lot. So you need we need more players there to help support those three, really. Hopefully they can get production from Chris Boucher, uh, Davis off the bench as well, and Japanese Michael Jordan. Yeah, the last stat as well um, is in the Bucks loss, Lowry... Uh, became the third player in Raptors history to score 10,000 points for Toronto behind. Can you guys guess the other two? Vince Carter. Nope. Uh, yeah, oh. It wasn't there long enough. I stopped myself from saying it too. Chris well, Bosch. Yeah. Um, DeMar. Yep. Yeah, correct. Nice. Well done. Two for two. <laughs> Great transition because. The New York Knicks didn't go two two for two this week. They went one and two. <laughs> uh, they they uh, they didn't have a, a five hundred week. We are going to head to the garden now with House Lasky. Ed, how you doing? I mean, I, I don't know why I'm getting all this hate for the Knicks. Like that, we no one was expecting Knicks to be where they are right now. So I am happy where the Knicks are and how they are progressing. So 
That's why truth, we hate truth be, <laughs> truth, truth be said, Ed, they're, they're on their way down. Like, I think they're bottom of the division now. Yeah. That's fine. Like, who was expecting the Knicks to be third or fourth in that division when all you lot were picking all the Atlantic teams, forgetting about you know picking the Jazz and forgetting about picking all the other teams, and you want to take everyone in the in the Atlantic? You left me with the Knicks. That was cool. So we're doing fine. I'll tell you a little bit about the Knicks. So um, last time we spoke, which again I think we've spoken about this amongst ourselves, we feel like the weeks go by so quick because I because I'm thinking I swear I spoke about the weeks just the other week. But in the last 10 games, since we last spoke about the Knicks, they were 5-6. and six. They're now 9-13. and 13, So they went 4-7 and seven since we last spoke about them. Uh, as you mentioned, they went 1-2 this week. Uh, so a couple of their key wins during that time period, they beat the Celtics and the Warriors. However, they did lose to the Knicks and the Bulls. Bulls most recently being the last game that they played. Um, I'm, uh, I want to talk actually about the Clippers game because I think that's the game that we all got a chance to watch because it was a, on a very convenient time for a UK audience on Sunday. And the cool thing actually going into that game is the Clippers had the highest uh, three-point percentage and the Knicks had the best three-point percentage defense in the league. So it was unstoppable for immovable objects like perfect sort of balance there. Needless to say, Clippers ended that game with over 40% from free. So Clippers won that sort of mini duel there. Uh, they went 45% from free in that game. However, they still do have the best uh, three-point defense in the league, I believe. Um, Knicks do. And they're top 10 in defense. So all the sort of negative stuff, like if you do have a top 10 defense, which Tibbs will install in a team, you have the potential to make the playoffs. If you play hard on defense, offense can sometimes come and go, especially in three-point era where you live and die by the three. Knicks, I'm happy where they are. But they're definitely getting instant offense from Emmanuel quickly, who has yes. been scorching in some games really cool moment in the Clippers game so quickly scored 25 points in 27 yep. minutes he also shared a moment when he subbed on uh with Lemon Pepper Lou Lou Will who's one of my favorites and said like that he um Lemon, uh, lose his idol which is a really cool moment and I love to see that uh, what have you been seeing from Emmanuel so for those that don't know Emmanuel quickly he's coming off the bench he was picked late first round this year and the reason he's starting the bench is obviously Alfred Payton's to start. Um, but, you know, it, it works for him. I think he's got maybe the... So he's fourth leading scorer for the Knicks. And it's something me and Alex have spoken about a little while back is he's got this really nice floater. We saw it at the start of the season. He's got this really nice mid-range floater that's just so sweet. And against the Clippers, he had five or six of those app floaters automatic from the mid-range that the Clippers could do nothing to stop. And it's, that's actually when they started to put Kawhi Leonard on him, which that's the ultimate sign of respect when they've got Kawhi Leonard guarding you um, because they're worried about your float and your offensive game. Um, but he's still coming off the bench. We're assuming that as the season goes on, he'll be a starter. Um, but maybe they just want to keep him in the second unit so he can get his buckets like Lemon Pepper Lou does. Um, but yeah, Manuel quickly. Very nice. And his progression is really nice, especially for a rookie player. So we'll see what he, he can become in New York, if that's a building block for them, which we hope it is alongside RJ. Dark horse for rookie of the year. Maybe I'm a bit of a stretch, but you never know. Uh, it's, a, it's a wide open race. Final point I want to finish on, Ed. Dennis Smith Jr. Yes. Pick nine in the 2017 draft. Uh, Reports came out and said that he asked to play for the G League affiliate, the Westchester Knicks. My question to you is, do you think this is a chance for him to build his reputation back up? Um, and 
will he get another chance with the Knicks or with another team? So to close out the Knicks talk, I want to bring up two things to, to what you were saying. Firstly, um, I remember listening to the draft preview of that, of that draft when um, Dennis Smith came out because I think Lonzo Ball was also in that draft class and I can't remember who the other point guard was. I think it must have been Markel. That was, the, that was yeah. Markel Fox, yeah. So Bill Simmons did a podcast and he was talking about if they were in the playground doing that draft class, who would they pick? How would the picks go? And the people picking would be the two alpha point guards. And what Simmons was saying is that alpha point guard number one is Markel Fox. Alpha point guard number two is not Ball. It's going to be Dennis Smith. And he was saying that he sees Dennis Smith as being a better player than on sports. You're having that dog, that intensity that you'd want an NBA player. Mm. And it's really just upsetting sort of seeing that, that decline in, ever since he was in Dallas and now in New York. Um, however, I do love the self-awareness to be like, you know what, I, ne I need to prove my worth again. I need to show that I can do this again. Can I prove it in the G League? Let me go in the G League and do it. And hopefully the fact that he's got that attitude is very encouraging. One thing I was, the other second point I was going to make is also Kevin Knox, who was really touted uh, past couple of years to be a key piece in the Knicks. He's now dropped off the rotation. We know Tibbs likes to keep his rotation short. Kevin Knox has now dropped out of the rotation. So that's also a key thing where Tibbs is like, if you don't play how I expect you to play, you'll be dropped out. So those are two key things. Kevin Knox has been dropped a lot. And the rotation's fluid, so he could be back in a, by the next time we speak about the Knicks. But Kevin Knox has been dropped and Dennis Smith Jr. might be in the G League. So... Hopefully they both can overcome. Dennis Smith, will you get another chance with Knicks? If quickly keeps this up, RJ is number two. Maybe he can come off the bench and he may transition into another role. We shall see. Let's be real. Kevin Knox, the only chance he's going to have is, you know, if COVID hits, maybe he gets his opportunity there. It's the, you've, it's got the like, you've got people like Reggie Bullock playing ahead of him. Reggie Bullock should not be playing ahead of Kevin Knox. In all, like Kevin Knox should be at that time where he's pushing on and being a starter, or being at least a bench player. I'm with you. I'm with you. To go from New York to Bostonia with Saltbray. How yeah. are the Celtics doing three games this week? Tell me how they did. Um, they've been a bit mid of the road. Um, they're five and five in the last ten. Um, hit a bit of a rough patch here. One and two this last week. Uh, they lost against the Spurs in a game they were kind of down, chased it back. Had a chance to win, had a really good look at it, um, didn't get to pull it off. In a really tough game against the Lakers, very close back and forth. Tatum and Brown um, go off, score 58 points combined of the 95 that they had. Um, and yeah, like they, they are, that, that has really been the theme. They've been carrying the load. Um, and uh, Marcus Smart unfortunately um, strained his calf in that game. Um, and um, they again had a chance to to win the game. Kemba, Kemba missed the look. Um, it was it was unfortunate, um, but it was really nice to see Tatum and Brown going at premier defenders like AD and LeBron. Like it doesn't matter who's on them; those guys can get buckets. So um, that right. was promising. And then um, they capped off this shaky week with a shaky win against the Warriors, um, where Steph had 38, but it wasn't enough. Um, and uh, yeah, Tatum, Tatum had another amazing game. Jalen Brown called off a little bit, um, but they got a little bit more production from across the board. And that's really been the main thing that I, I would focus on. Like, for example, um, I think it's Javante Green had like two points and nothing in 20 minutes. Like you can't, you can't do that. 
I mean, you need more production um, from from the people down your bench. And Kem- Kemba's been wildly consistent as well. Um, we really haven't seen. I mean, he's just a shadow of his former self. Can't stand the floor. He's only played seven. Ga- uh, seven, yeah, seven out of the nineteen games this year. Um, that's what we're seeing from Boston so far. Kemba Walker. This is what I wanted to speak to you about. So they beat the Warriors last night. He got 19-7-5, but you look at the box score, he shot 6 of 18, which is rough. And then Bray spoke about the Lakers game. Uh, Tatum and Brown, they combined for 58. Kemba takes the final shot. Can anybody tell me what Kemba was shooting in that game? Anybody have a guess? I know how many points he had. Um, he had four points, so I'm going to guess that he didn't shoot very well. He shot 1 of 12 in that game in 28 minutes. Which is rough, and he he doesn't look like his former self. Like maybe it's the explosion in you know like the herky jerky style. Completely understand what you're saying about getting production like off the bench. Like if you look at Tristan Thompson again in the Lakers game, he had one point and five rebounds in 15 minutes. The bench was outscored 35 to 16. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's not it's not ideal, and I think. That obviously, if Kemba can get healthy, because that's the main thing with him, if he can just string together a few games, get a bit of rhythm back, he doesn't need to be the guy from Charlotte. He can be, you know, like 80%, 75% of what he was. He doesn't need to, to shoot all these ridiculous shots with three defenders draped over him because the, uh, he's the only offensive option. He doesn't need to do that. And I think he, you know, it will take some adjustment um, also to his play style. Now he is firmly the third guy. He's not the first guy. He's not even the second guy anymore. He's the third guy. And he needs to realise that. Um, it will come in time. I'm not too worried about him. He's been in the league a long time. Um, I think he'll be good. They do need more help though. So, um, I think that they should be a buy now team. I think they really should be looking around the league at what moves they can make and who they can get. Obviously, they picked up Tristan in the offseason, didn't really work out. Um, I think they need to be looking around. So the question I pose to everyone, I've got five players that I've earmarked because they have a massive trade exception. 28.5 million they got in a trade Ooh. exception for Gordon Haywood, which means they've got all this money to spend. Um, so they could look at guard and look at some look at some guys on losing teams who potentially aren't going anywhere. For example, Derek Rose would be an excellent backup point guard, as would George Hill. Or they could look at a backup wing to alleviate some of that pressure and stop Tatum and Brown having to play 40 minutes a night. Um, and they could look at the likes of potentially Harrison Barnes or even someone like Aaron Gordon. Or they could look at centre as well if he was available and look at picking up someone like Vooch. Um, so of those five, who do you like the most? Eh, there is no way that you can get rid of Vooch. There's no way. Gordon, there maybe. There, there is no. a way. It, the only way is if we get Jalen Brown in, in return. Uh... <laughs> that is, <laughs> let me tell you, that is no way happening. That's that happens a daylight robbery. Now, the, I... I saw a trade for Gordon and Vooch, but it was a bit ridiculous. So I can't. What, what was coming back the other way? I want to know what was coming back the other way. Uh, I think it. W- I think Kemba was going back the other way. Time Lord. <laughs> uh, time Lord. Yeah, Time Lord picks. Like it was a ma- it was a massive 
thing, but um, three. The five players again. Who, who was it again? Uh, Sorry, Derek Rose, George Hill, Harrison Barnes, Aaron Gordon, and Vucevic. But we're kind of it doesn't really work. It, it's Harrison Barnes is the correct answer. If you had to pick any one of those players to help these guys get over the hump, it's Harrison Barnes. Because you made the key point in that it relieves the minutes uh, and the time that's going to wear down Jalen. Um, and Brown, so, no, Jalen Brown rather. Sorry, and Jason, Jason. Is this, this all to ego? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jalen and Brown, he's so good. He's two people. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Harrison Barnes, he's obviously got the uh, the championship experience that he had with Golden State. Uh, he's not somebody that needs the ball uh, in his hands to be productive, and he's a good defensive player, a good two way guy uh, that would. It, they'd have three wing guys that could interchange defensively. It would be amazing. Um, yeah, I, I disagree. Well, go I disagree as well. Yeah, go now, go, go, Alex. You don't, you don't get a chance. I, I disagree. The only person, and if you can get him, I said that it won't be possible. But the person you get is Vooch. <laughs> Offensively, he is incredible, and yes, he struggles on the defensive end. But with Brad Stevens in place and the systems that he have, there's no way that he incredibly boost their chances of winning a title got it i was i was going to agree with alex in terms of needing a point guard in a center why not one of the 15 centers cleveland have um why not yeah. and i like the idea of derrick rose as well because to alleviate the pressure off brown and tatum doesn't necessarily mean getting another wing it could mean giving the workload to someone else um so i, I like the idea of getting a point guard in a center especially if it's a veteran like derrick rose who's someone to be in level-headed because they don't have much veteran presence in that boston team and in any one of the centres in, in Cleveland, just take one of them, can help on the defensive end. Um, I don't think they need that much scoring output, do they? I don't think they do. No. Uh, they're, they're, so they're like a top 10, top 12 offence and defence. So they basically need to, in order to be a contender, they need to raise one of them to be back top five in the league. Um, and then you're in with the shout. Matt, Jordan? Yeah, um, I definitely agree. Like, out of all of those, the one which really rang, rang in my ear was that Derrick Rose kind of position. Um, I might be biased in the fact that, you know, I'm definitely the the guard fan, <laughs> I find, but I, I, I do believe like that. Um, Derrick Rose trade, like he mentioned, it doesn't necessarily have to be within the center position, but it could be in that guard position and not that kind of sort of, mentality of being that star but have that veteran presence which can help out I'm going to start with Alex and on this one I'm going to say Vucevic as a monster do you know, I, do you know I also just realised guess who else is on the street who hasn't been picked up yet maybe a point guard who his name resembles a Hall of Famer and used to play for Boston as well he's currently a free agent mm. yeah, I just I just don't think that I, I don't think that you need more ball handling on the Celtic side of things, guys, because you've got Tatum brings the ball up a bunch, and then you've got Marcus Smart. I just think that their resources would be wasted in having somebody like a Derek Rose who doesn't shoot enough threes. So he's just going to be like a Kemba, but like shooting less shots. It just does. It just seems like a waste of a move to me. Um, the whole Vucevic thing, yeah, he's awesome, but he also he, he's never really won anything. I love him and he's great, but it is hard to you want to bring in more experience, which is why Harris Barnes to me was the best pick. He, he can shoot. He he'd be a great spot up shooter for them. Who? 
George Hill. Just got injured. Did he? A lot of these players, yeah, a lot of these players are out. Yeah, so Gordon's out, George Hill is out as well. So, I mean, it's really annoying because if they were to make a move, we'd like to see it sooner so they can, like, build the chemistry. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, George Hill's, George Hill's good, I agree. I'd rather have George Hill than Derek Rose. That, that I will agree with, Greg. Yeah. Um, but, who, who, uh, thought, who thought you'd be saying that 10 years ago, eh? Yikes. It's tough. Ultra did. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The last team in this division, the Atlantic, is probably the most talked about, the most hyped team right now. The Brooklyn Nets, 3-1 this week, 14-9 overall. Sure, there's a lot to pick out here. Talk to me. Yeah. Um, as you said, this week, 3-1. Current record, 14-9. And, and, of course, that puts them in, like, second place behind your sixes. It's the sixth man. Um Last 10, seven and three. Now, if you're just looking at those basic stats, like you would think, oh, that isn't, that isn't too bad. That isn't too crazy. That's good. So, so what's the problem here? Um, the issue here, if you look out, especially at this week, where the three and one, the loss, which came to the Wizards, uh, as you <laughs> saw <laughs> in the final minutes, uh, boy, do I feel sorry for anyone who went toilet and came back and realised that the Nets had lost at that point. was absolutely insane. And this has been kind of like um, odd repeats now and then. So if you look at the Nets, they're like in the top end for offensive efficiency. But on the flip end, it's the defence, which is the main issue. They're rated 26th right now for defensive efficiency so offense is not an issue as is expected when you've got a team with KD, uh, Harden and Irving it's just the defensive end where they just seem to struggle consistently. The Washington Woodsons game is probably the game of the season so far for all of the people that don't know Wizards are down five, Bill takes the ball off the inbound hits a three uh, Joe Harris then turns the ball over on the inbound and Garrison Matthews, who's sort of an unknown player, steals the ball, passes it back to Westbrook. He hits the free, they win the game. Crazy. If anybody hasn't seen that, go check it out because, yeah, that game was just all offense and no defense, but that's what we like to see. That's what we like <laughs> to see. The, uh, we have a matchup, a six-man matchup, and that is because the Nets played the Clippers last night, so I'm going to bring in Ed on here. What do you guys want to speak about that game? The Nets end up winning it by four. What, what did you guys see from it? Um, again, from my point of view, it just shows the two different stories where uh, Brooklyn Nets has built out to be a team which is like a true offensive might powerhouse. Um, but like as Ed uh, mentioned before, uh, in games like this, especially going forward and as we get closer and closer to playoffs, it's a question of how far that will take them. And if they're having a weak offensive night, is their offense going to pull them through the situations, you know? And it's like Clippers game. It was a close game, a very, very good game to watch. But if things go like the other way, a few unlucky plays, like you mentioned in the Wizards game, it could go either way and that could have been the Clippers game. 
Um, my, my thoughts overall, I, I don't want to get too much into the clip because we'll get into that after, but one thing I did pick out from the Clippers doing some more deep dive into them is they've allowed seven now seven players to score 30 plus points against them. And those seven players have all been shoot first guards. Zach Levine, Kyrie Irving, Trey Young, Steph Curry, Mike Condi, Shea and Nikhil. All of them scored, the only players to score 30 plus points against the Clippers. And for me, that says that they are missing the ability of Patrick Beverly on defense to have that intensity and to maybe hurry up the scores. Because last night, when they played, when Brooklyn played um, played the Clippers, Carrie had 39 points. Maybe with um, with Pat Bev, that may not be 39, it could be 29. And it was a very close game. There were a couple key plays. Well, let me say three key plays because the Clippers fouled the Nets three times from the three-point line. And they went to the line nine times and made all of them. And that could have been the key numbers to at the end because it's it's a matter of buckets at time. Like it could be one bucket one way or another way. One way the ball bounced. Mm-hmm. Alex, you know, as a as a as a Philly fan, if the ball bounces on one side of the hoop compared to the <laughs> other, Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, well, will we get past the first round, Ed? You know, okay, that's unlike fine. your, um, can you feel the tension in the air? Um, How do you bring yeah. up? It's a Philly uh, celebration week. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Those key moments, those stupid mistakes, fouling three-point shooters, losing nine points in, from the three-point from the free throw line, is a killer. So it was a close game. Um, I think those two things, from a Clippers' perspective, if they had a bit better perimeter defense, and if they they were a bit smart in some of their key plays, they could have the result could have been different. Biggest play as well was Harden finding Jeff Green all alone for the and one. I, I don't know. I don't know how they missed him, but it seems to happen a lot. In those games, he's standing underneath the basket. He gets the and one. The scary thing about that game is that Harden, Durant and Kyrie were all hitting shots down the stretch. And we talk about who's going to take the last shot. They were functioning just fine. Jord, last point in the Nets. They tied the franchise record for points, 147. Then the next game against the Wizards, they scored 146 points, which is just one less. And they probably should have scored more. How many points can this team score in a regulation game? Bro, at this point, I'm I'm saying it's up to them. Like, <laughs> like Jeff Green drops 50 points. <laughs> Literally, at this point, it seems like they're picking from a menu and they're just like, oh, uh, KD, do you want to score the most today? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, because I think... At the beginning, everyone was worried, oh, this this might not work because they're all um, ball-heavy players. Like, But when you watch the games, like the sharing and everyone, the way they're um, distrib- uh, distributing the work and everything, it, it's working really well. Like I said, it's down to the defence at this point and it it's, um, seems to be putting a lot of questions, particularly in people's minds, on the coaching staff, the people who are there, which aren't typically known for their defense, if they can get like a good defensive system in place. So, yeah, even though it's um, they're good offensively, the question marks for the Nets are are still there, still fluttering by. Definitely, that wraps up the Atlantic. We'll take a short break and then we'll head to the Pacific. And we're back. The Pacific Division. A lot to digest. We're going to go back 
to the team that we were just talking about, Haslaskiu, with the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, they're not looking like the ugly sister. They're right up there in, in terms of standings. So every time I think about this, I'm like, maybe they aren't. But then I realise, I look at their history and I'm like, ah, oh, we've seen this all happen before. Like, they, they could look all nice and dandy. And when it gets to the playoffs, when it gets to really matters, when it gets to committing, we know that they don't like to commit. They like to be in their old ways. And we all know who we'd rather have. Hey, LeBron. Hey, D, How you doing? Okay. Ed, is it, Jordan, Ed, is it like seeing someone in the club? You know, is seeing no, someone but... in the club. Is it like that? You know, the uh, lights come on, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. That I am not going to go there. Jord, uh, <laughs> keep my boys safe for me. I've got the number one pick secured soon come. Keep my boys safe. Make sure they're all right. I'll be picking them soon. So Low management, Jord. Low management. <laughs> <laughs> um so clippers uh from last time where we were at when we spoke about the atlantic the atlantic the pacific wrong ocean um they were seven and four the clippers were and since then they've gone nine and two well they they've won 92 in the last 11 so they're now 16 and six which is lovely um looking at those games they don't necessarily have the signature win they were all games that they should have won their two losses one of them did come against the hawks but they didn't have pg or Kawhi. and then the second game was obviously against uh, brooklyn which we just spoke about um the clippers offense we all know how potent it is and how they got the best three-point percentage in the league i also want to highlight actually how paul george and Kawhi leonard are doing now we all know about the 50 40 90 club which is 50 percent from free throw um from field 40% from three and 90% from the free throw line. There's only four players to have done it whilst also scoring 20 points. Um, actually, let's have a quick let's have a quick guess. We'll go around if we can get all four. Alex, who's your first guess who's done that? Steve Nash, definitely. He's not scored 20 points in a game. Next, Matt. Steph. Steph, yes. Uh, Wadi. Kai Thompson. No, he's never scored 20 points. Didn't average 20 points a game. Great. Is he not? Ah, man. Did you say KD? Because I think you might be on mute. Did you say KD? Yeah, I said KD. Yeah, cool. Correct. Two more. Uh, George, Curry and KD are two. Who are the other two? Curry One more. Oh, I'll give you a big clue. The other two are both white boys. Oh, yeah, I've I got it. I got it. Oh, that eliminates the majority of the league. Okay, sweet, sweet. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're not playing at neither right now or playing either. Neither of them are playing either. I, that's what I'm Come saying. On, baby. Okay. The... Uh, wrong white boy. <laughs> Alex, yeah, it's not Bill got... <laughs> no. It's, it's uh, Larry Legend. Yeah. And last one, anyone? I don't know. Dan Dirk. Oh, nice. Oh. God damn it. Why didn't it take me that long? We took, we took a while to get there. But anyway, that's just a little fun for ourselves. But yeah, the, there are only four players who have averaged 20 points a game while shooting 50, 40, 90. KD, Curry, Dirk, and Larry Bird. And both uh, PG and Kawhi are on track to do that right now on Clippers. They're both on the same team, which is amazing to have that level of productivity and shooting on one team, which goes a long way to why they're doing so well offensively. Um, defensively, before we spoke, they were roughly about 25th in the league in terms of defense. Now, since the last 11 game stretch, now fifth in the league. Um, during that time period, they're fifth. So now they're averaged out to 10th in the defense. So the defense is starting to pick up. But when you do watch the Clippers, you don't necessarily feel that they're getting out of first gear or third gear they just feel like they're taking a very 
like relaxed approach. Maybe it's because the way they are scoring points isn't as intense as you would like because they are taking a lot of three-point shots. They are 25th, I believe, at free throw rate, so they're not getting to the rim as much. And a lot of their offense is perimeter and mid-range shots, which isn't as dominant because when you see teams dominating, they always go down to the paint and getting those shots there. Great point about Kawhi and PG. If you guys check the stats, it's almost identical um, between those two. And it's really encouraging to see. I hope they're changing attitude. And I hope we actually see playoff P instead of pandemic P. In terms of the next question, good contributions from Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. Who is going to be bigger for the Clips moving forward? So... Right now, right now it will be Reggie Jackson just because they are missing Pat Bev. But when Pat Bev, Pat Bev does come back in the team, it will be Markeith Morris. Um, not which is a Markeith Marcus Morris. Marcus. It will be Marcus Morris um, because of their ability for the big men to shoot the three. We all know if your big men can shoot the three, it means the opposing defender will also have to come up and guard the three point line, allowing a lot more mismatches in the paint. And the Clippers have actually got six players, so. Kawhi and PG included so four other players who are averaging over 3.53s a game and shooting over 40% and Morris is one of them so his ability to knock down shots and maintain that level of production the Clippers currently have is really important to them Nice Let's head over to the Bay and let's check in with the Warriors over 500 um, doing well. Two and two this week. Thanks, Sheila Lambert. What have you got for us on GS Derb? Yeah, Warriors. Um, they've really picked up again of late. Similar story to the Raptors. Terrible start to the season. Much more consistent of late. Uh, they two and two this week. Started off with a win against the uh, Timberwolves, which was pretty much the battle of the rookies uh, between James Wiseman and Anthony Edwards. Uh, they've actually both scored 25 points each, so it's pretty even split between the two, but I think it's safe to say that Wiseman's having a better uh, impact so far early on in his career. And then a defeat against the Suns, um, in which the Suns just wiped the floor, really, with the Warriors. Um, and Kelly Huber, Kelly Huber Jr. had a stinker, but I'll touch on him later. And then a win against the Pistons. That was just simple. Pistons are terrible. Warriors and Stefford as class. And then a narrow <coughs> defeat to the Celtics, which we mentioned earlier with Bray. And again, it was promising with that, actually that defeat in that Wiseman was sidelined that game uh, with a sprained wrist and Kevin Looney actually sprained his ankle uh, I think in the second quarter so it meant that they played the whole of the second half without a centre and they actually kept fairly well in touch with the Celtics granted that was Steph pretty much carrying them with scoring 38 points getting 11 rebounds and 8 assists but I think that's there's some heart to take from that defeat against the Celtics as well in that Celtics game, a lot of the key players were 50-50 uh, offensive rebounds. Uh, Warriors had a couple of turnovers. But like you said, it's 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 encouraging because the Celtics are still a good team. Um, the fact that they kept close is, is great for them. I want to speak about one man, Draymond Green. Draymond Green is averaging 4.6 points per game, 5 rebounds and 6.6 .6 assists. This has dropped every year, um, especially in 27-18, where he averaged 11 points per game, 7.6 rebounds and 7.3 assists. Is it the beginning of the end for Draymond? I think he's just trying to figure out 
like any athlete does as they move on, they change their role and they adjust to what works for them. And it seems that he's kind of taken this back seat now in terms of both assists and like scoring a bit more points and he's letting other people take care of that now. So like you look at James Wiseman, for example, he's coming in and he's averaging 12 points a game and you've got players, like obviously like you've got Steph, but even, well, you'd like to hope that Kelly Oubre Jr. would pick up some more points and Andrew Wiggins would, but it seems like Draymond's stepping back and letting the, the younger players come through now. Thing is, is I don't, I don't think he needs to step back. I think he needs to. He, in the Celtics game, he had two points. I'm sorry, but if you're playing that many big minutes, and I know you you do a lot in other categories, you have to step up. You can't have a Ben Simmons game like when he dropped one point against the Celtics in the playoffs. You've got to show up. And if this means losing some of the assists and being more aggressive, you provide another option that the defense have to have to worry about. Uh, I know he's great in the defensive end. I know he does a lot for the team in terms of that. But I just think that he needs to give a bit more because there is there is stuff there. Like when he was a threat uh, back in the heyday, uh, he was really the defense had to worry about him because he was a ball handler and he could attack the rim and he could shoot the three relatively well. Um, yeah, I, I don't really think Draymond's the problem though. I think there are bigger problems within Golden State than Draymond. Like Kelly Oubre Jr. is just not having a great season at all, right? Yeah, talk to me about Kelly. Yeah, I think, Kelly. Yeah, I, think Kelly. I think what Sunday was the Celtics game perfectly. He was minus 25 when on the court and the Warriors were plus 21 when he wasn't and they lost the game by four points. So wow. there you have it. And even like over the course of the season, he's only averaging 12 points per game. He's 23% from three, 30%, 37% from the field. And he's averaging 1.3 assists per game and he's on court with Steph Curry. Like, that's a free assist. So it's, he's just not contributing at all. Can I also say this about Draymond? Um, so I'm the idiot who decides to draft him in fantasy. So I've been trying to, like, see how he does just outside of his stats, which aren't good. And he is having such a big impact on a team outside of what he's able to put on the box score. And you can see that from the leadership he's given towards Wiseman and the effect he's given to the rest of the players around him, as Matt was saying, that I do think the stats can be misleading toward, towards his overall impact on the team. I think that illustrates it well, is that the Warriors did start off, I, I can't, I, someone can correct me with the numbers, but they didn't actually start, they started with quite a few losses to the season and Draymond did miss those games. And since he's come back, they have looked a lot more solid. 0-4, oh, oh I, I believe. Oh, and yeah, and Draymond, I think, at least missed the first three of those. Yeah, I guess that is the most important stat, winning. Um, also, a shout-out to our, our friend Sam Foley, who traded three guys for Kelly Oubre on fantasy. So, yeah, I hope that goes well, considering he's having such a steady year. <laughs> You didn't trade anyone you wouldn't want to drop already, though, so that's all right. Three players, though. I know. Oh, the GMs didn't like that. All right, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's head back to House of O3 with the Los Angeles Lakers, the NBA's darling team. Two and two this week, 16-6 overall. How is La La Land doing? Um, La La Land, La La Land, it's going good. I feel like with the Lakers, it's kind of like you have your children which you worry about and then you have your eldest and you're just like, nah, they're fine, they're good. They, go they play, handle themselves. go play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, go play, you're good. I don't need to deal with you. Um, so 
Right now, the total record, like I said, 16 and 6. This week, 2 and 2. Um, uh, last 10, I believe they've been, like with the Nets, 7 and 3 overall in total. Um, they also, within that 10, I believe they've lost um, two road games, their two uh, first road games in a while. So, yeah, um, I believe, in my mind, I'm seeing it as they may have taken their... Uh, foot off the pedal a little bit or either other teams are like okay the season started let's get into it and let's play and um, I feel like it's given them a bit more a couple more of uh, better ball games with that um, yeah but overall um, in my mind I'm, I'm happy with where they're at I think they're like third in the conference at the moment so I think it was a bit of a drop off since where we last left off Um Ed's Clippers are now taking over that spot, so I'm not sure how he's feeling that other half, but yeah. Loki Jordan, do you want to swap teams? <laughs> no, I'm good, man. No, I'm oh, good. Okay. I'm good. I, I, might, I might have to veto that, like Chris Paul. <laughs> the, Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers uh, lost to, to Philly, very close game. Then they lose to the Pistons. They did have AD out, but that was a really surprising loss. And Blake played really well, so I was happy about that. They win the Celtics mm -hmm. game, which is obviously really tight. And then they beat the Hawks. The massive storyline. Everyone's probably seen it. LeBron and the Heckler. Yeah. Uh, the courtside. Courtside Karen. Yeah, so um, he, he got into it with, uh, with a guy and his wife. Uh, they end up getting ejected. The main thing is don't don't piss don't piss the man off because you yeah. saw what happened in Cleveland when the guy like clapped after he missed a shot and he was like oh okay you want me to turn it on it's like it's like Michael Jordan you know you don't you he's gonna do he's gonna have a good game don't make him have an exceptional exceptional game you know don't don't do that but the but the thing is um, <laughs> even after the argument they thought it was done. Now, LeBron has eternally labelled that woman for the rest of her life <laughs> as courtside Karen. Yep. He's going to go to Starbucks or out in the restaurant and there'll always be people going, oh, look, look. Oh, yeah, that's courtside Karen. I mean, fair enough, you're getting pictures, but still. <laughs> the rest of your life, courtside Karen. Can you live with that? I was just saying, he also called the guy, I think he said, old steroids. Are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was savage. <laughs> My favourite social media comment, and I think we can leave it there after, is, and sums it up, is Savannah in four. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Alex Caruso. Can we talk about the Caruso? So Alex Caruso, last year, his plus minus was... 3.8, so plus 3.8, and his net rating was plus 9.8. So they're both extremely high. This year, his plus minus is 6.3, and his net rating is set is plus 17.5. So whenever he's on the court, the Lakers are always winning. He's plus 25 in Laker losses as well. Can we see more of Caruso down the stretch, like when they're closing games? Do you think that will happen, George? Um... I believe so. Um, the main reason for my point there is I think one of um, the biggest thoughts in the Laker world right now is um, their guard rotation in terms with Schroeder, 
Caruso and um Taylor. Taylor, that's it, thank you. Um so at the moment the way I see it, like Schroeder, again, good player, really good player, but a Again, he does have his points where he falls off. He's that very high energy player. And even with like, he's, but he's got that small build. So he may struggle guarding um, some of the bigger time uh, point guards who with that higher build. Um, Caruso kind of mitigates that issue for them. So it's that nice blend. I think later on, and as the season develops and um, that stuff gets more demanding and you see final key games where it comes out, Caruso will probably take that position over. But I think um, as it stands, they're happy with where it is. But I definitely think Caruso is going to pick it up and maybe, perhaps, um, I'm not saying for definite, that they might switch it round where Caruso does take that starting spot. Yeah, for sure. Penultimate team in the Pacific is the Phoenix Suns well, yeah. and the famous Chris Paul experiment. Absolutely. Let's head over to the Valley. Three and one this week. Jay Wild, how are you feeling about the Suns? Yeah, feeling really good, man. Um, you mentioned their record, uh, three and one, which is great. Um, we actually uh, had a really big win uh, against Dallas. Obviously, we're the game winner, uh, Devin Booker. And that's the main thing I really want to touch on, really, um, we, because we didn't have Devin Booker for the previous four games, um, which I'm going to make the case is actually probably the best thing that could have happened this season for, for us because up until the point where you had Devin and Chris, we were obviously having a good record, as I mentioned before. They, uh, they don't allow a lot of points. They're fifth in that. Um, points scored their 10th and their assists are great so they were having a good enough record but the chemistry wasn't quite there yet because I think they were trying to figure out who's scoring when and who's you know predominantly dominating the ball Devin going out forced Chris Paul to turn into OKC Chris Paul where he's like right I've got to put this on my back and make sure that I hold it down for Devin until he comes back so he was got he went from hovering around um, the four games prior to Devin going down, he was hovering around the 15-point mark. As soon as Devin went out, he, he nearly doubled that uh, over the next four games. Um, then, obviously, with Devin coming back, Chris was like, right, you know, this is your warm-up game and coming back. I still need to be in this mode to make sure we get this win against Dallas. Chris Paul absolutely lit them up and had a great game. Devin just needs to understand that now that they've got Chris, he's the orchestrator. Devin is a really good passer, but with now Chris Paul on the team, it's almost a little bit to his detriment because he's trying to give up the ball too much. It's like, dude, you just need to score. You're, you need to make sure that defences respect you enough so that when you do have to pass it, you're creating easy ball movement for the rest of the team. Last night... Devin, he had two points in the first half. And then by the end of it, he realized, right, Chris is going off. This is a really good opportunity for us to win this game. He ended the game with 24 points and Chris Paul and Devin Booker combined for 58 together. Devin obviously mm -hmm. hits the game winner. That's his role. That's what he should be doing. Both of these guys are so used to last year being the one and only 
you know, offensive threat on their team. All due respect to Aiton, he's a centre. He needs a guard to be able to set him up. Devon needs to realise he now has the help that he desired. So now they need to realise, hey, you guys can just both do your thing and it's all going to work out. The, the great point about the great point about Devin Booker after he hits that shot, no celebration, and he's just like one stop. And I love that thinking about the long term rather than I just hit an amazing shot. Also, a crazy thing that happened from that game was Chris Paul missing a wide open layup at the end of the game. I, I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, I did. It, he was too open. That was the problem. I think it was. was it was crazy. Yeah, it's. Um, hey, man, it's kind of like that crazy play. One of our favorite things in Reggie Miller's winning time when they finally beat the Knicks. You know, Patrick Ewan has an open layup. The reason he misses it is because star players expecting contact, and when it doesn't come, it throws off the shot. Is that yeah happens? You know these guys are so used to having people draped over them that it, it feels out of their element when they're that open. Hardest layup to hit is the wide open layup, they say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, essentially, it seems so. I guess. Who's that, Brandon Knight? <laughs> the... Okay. That, that's what I'm gonna start saying when I blow layups. I like that, Jordan. Thank you for that ammunition. Yeah. Um... <laughs> My, I've got a new segment which I, I might do every week but I'm, I'm going to go with the stat line of the week here we go yeah. Frank Kaminsky Thank 25 minutes much. Frank Kaminsky 25 minutes 12 points 13 rebounds 8 assists monster stat line unreal and, and he he was like making great reads he's hit inside passes hitting threes and one's falling out of bounds Frank the Tank very good. Wadi, do you want to speak about Frank? Absolutely. The emergence of Frank Kaminsky um, has been a massive highlight of this week. Um, you know, I, I always talk about how much we, I love Dario. He's not in there at the moment. Frank Kaminsky is giving them everything that Dario would give them and a little bit more over the past week. So the fact that they have that extra wrinkle within their, within their offense is fantastic. Yeah, he can spread the floor. He can pass it. He's a big guy, so he's rebounding as well. He's got that, that foreign edge to him. So he's like, you know, you don't want to mess with him and he's going to do bits only whenever he can. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. And he's, he's, not, yeah, he's not a ball watcher. You know, when Chris Paul is doing his thing, he's, he's cutting from the weak side, which is creating defences to react and, and allowing him to make those reads and the right moves that you, you, know, you alluded to. Great. Last, last point on the Suns real quick. Yeah. I was trying to find stuff on the Suns, so I apologise in advance about this question. Kendall Jenner was seen wearing a Sun sweater, uh, and she's apparently been dating Devin Booker for about a year. But my question to all the GMs is, who, which player has been most affected by the Kardashian curse? Chris Humphreys. Yeah, it's Chris Humphreys. It's definitely Chris Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah. Short list as well is Tristan Thompson and Lamar. Lamar Odom. Odom. Lamar Odom yeah. might also get a shout. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's an even darker turn than that. I mean, Blake didn't fare that well. No, I'm still taking the other two. Shout out Corey Maggetti, number one, the first one who had the Kardashian curse. <laughs> or, or even that, Ed, Reggie Bush. That, different sport, different sport. But Reggie Bush doing well for himself now, I guess. <laughs> 
Yeah, but he was never the player he was in college. But yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying. It's like yeah. the Kardashians inspired the Get Out movie. <laughs> also, Ken, Ken, Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner has an all is a really good starting five. Oh, I'm not. She's got, she's got Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin. Now she's got Devin Booker. I mean, it's shaping up quite nicely here. I think, I think maybe Jordan Clarks. <laughs> Loki, you could do a starting five for each one of them. <laughs> you could, you could. We maybe that might oh, be. Oh no, segment. no! <laughs> the last team in the Pacific is a team that even the GM doesn't want to speak about. It's the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. So Bray, you know, let, let's try and get this over and done with. To all you Kings fans, by the way, we're really sorry. Okay. Just want to say that. But you've had a good week. Three and one this week. Nine and 11 overall. Bray, take it away. Kings fans, I'm not sorry. Your team's boring. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm you not, are the I'm Craig not. Rebel Horwood of this panel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you are. Look, the Kings are stuck in no man's land. They've had a good week, but they've beat some pretty bad teams. They beat the Knicks the Magic, the Raptors, and the Pelicans, who are all below 500. And they lost to the Heat, who are the only team in that group who might finish over 500. So, like... But they're your team. Yeah, they're also mine. It's kind of a win for me, that the, the Heat won. Um, but they are doing better than the Heat. So, at this point of the season, it's such a weird one for them because they're, prob- they're probably overperforming what, they're, what, they're, what the end of their season is going to look like because... Surprise, surprise, we said it every time, they can't defend anyone, and it will continue to go like that. Um, the bright spots for them, um, Buddy Hill has woken up in the last three games, he's averaging 23 points on 54.5% shooting from the field, which is the Buddy Hill they need the entire season, and yeah, he hasn't been there. So, um, yeah, good for now, but we'll see if it lasts. And then um, Fox just went off recently had 38 points versus the Pelicans. Just, just, oh, yeah. You, you see that spin move, bro? Uh, I think I did. I mean, mm. like Fox is just, Fox is a really good player. Like, they've got some really bright spots on this team. Fox being the first and the second being Tyrese Halliburton, who was Western Conference Player of the Month for last month. Uh, okay. not, not Player of the Month, Rookie of the Month. Um, he wasn't that good. Um, and um, is second in Rookie of the Year, um, on the Rookie of the Year ladder behind um, Lamelo Ball. Um, and very much deserved to be there. Absolute steal of the draft. They did a really good job snagging him. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's their benefit or if he just fell into their laps a bit. Um, you know, you could, you could look at it either way. But um, he's a great pickup. He is also, like, low-key really clutch like he he just knows how to play like he's not scared like it's like one of those it's one of those things that you like even if even if a rookie's a bit shaky in other areas if, if they've got that mental bit you just go oh that's that's awesome we, we can work with this you know he can get he can be a better shooter we can teach him how to be a better passer you know like um and stuff like that so that's really really good um harrison barnes is also having his his best season Ever actually, and you have no no one has any idea who plays for Kings, but um, he is he's he's playing like a vet. He's scoring not at his highest level ever, but he's getting the most more assists than he ever has. 
more rebounds than he ever has. He's pretty efficient as well. He is the kind of guy that other teams should be looking at. And here's where I'm about to get salty on, on the Kings um, because no man's land is no good. You don't want to be here. You don't want to be 9-11 because you're never going to get to 500. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to sustain it. So they've, I reckon they've got two options. They either sell low on Buddy Hill, who's having a down season, or sell high on Harrison Barnes, try and get some picks back, tank a bit this season, and then get a third guy to pair with um, Halliburton and Fox for next year. I'm going to challenge you, bro. So they're not going to be above 500, right? The Kings are 5-2 and two against the East. They still have 11 more games against the East before we break for All-Star. I think they can definitely be over 500. I, I okay. I think that yes, they, they can get there because we're we're small sample size games at the moment here. That uh, you know they're they're nine and eleven, so they they win their next two and they're at five hundred. Yeah, sure, they can get there. At the end of the season, they will not be five hundred. It will not happen. <laughs> Prove me wrong, Kings fans. Prove me wrong, Kings players. It's just not going to happen. Like they they haven't got they haven't got the talent. They cannot defend anything. Well, Holmes had six blocks in the win against the Pels. So, you know, I'm always shouting out Rich Sean Holmes because he came from right. Philly. And I, I really like him. He's a great energy piece for them. Um, half the league came from Philly. <laughs> half of the league came from Philly and we haven't kept them. Yeah. Jeremy Grant. He's doing well. Yeah. Great. Good job. Good job. Can I also say this about the Kings? Because I was just trying to think, actually. When was the last time they did make it to the playoffs? Can anyone guess the last year they made it into the playoffs? The Kings did. They're, they've got the longest... Currently, they've got the longest drought in the NBA. 2003. Yeah, it must be. Weber. Yeah. It's actually 2006. Uh, they made it in the first round. They were in the first round. Um, ah. So it's been... It's been 14 years since they made the playoffs. They just need to make the playoffs one time, even if it's just one time, just to get the draw out of the way, give yeah. the fans at least some playoff. Because, I mean, that's what we want in Orlando. Can we just make the playoffs once? Now we're going to go back to tanking. We know tanking is going to come soon. I reckon that may be a king situation as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest problem is you just got to look at the teams around them and, like, one way or the other, the the other teams are always in a better position. Either they've got more talent this year, or they've got gonna have more talent or more prospects going into the next year. So, if you think yeah. about it, who are in the Kings brackets? The Spurs. The Spurs are, are a better team, and they're coached better, and they've got a better organizational culture. The Warriors, loads more talent. The Rockets actually can defend, which. Yeah. Like, oh my God, they won it. It's been amazing. Like, if you if you get into that playing tournament, you might see the, the, the trailblazers. Yeah, I don't want any part of that if I'm the Kings. That's not happening. You look below them, they've got the Thunder, who have got most of the team's picks for the next six years, I think, probably. They've got about 30 of them. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sam Presti's attending the uh, lottery by himself. Yeah, literally. Um, he's got the whole thing. The Mavericks have got Doncic. The Pelicans have got Zion. Um, we don't need to talk about the Timberwolves, but you know, you just look around. If you're the Kings, it's like you haven't got anything. You need to you need to shake it up and go one way or the other. Because at the moment, they are it, the best case for the scenario for this season is to be a tenth seed and then lose the playing game. That is the best case scenario for this team. Is the ceiling. 
Like, they need to bottom out. The ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan <laughs> said. <laughs> Let end on a good, a good, uh, a good point, and that is Tyrese Halliburton. Like you said, Western Rookie of the Month, and talk about clutch shots. He hit a huge shot against the Raptors. Uh, when they were up one, time winding down, Whiteside finds him and he just drains it. Love that. Ice in the veins. So that wraps up Pacific Division for for this week. We're going to head to the leaderboard uh, where there's been some changes. So let's digress. Let's go from bottom to top. So it, we're not going to do it by wins. We're going to do it by percentage. But I obviously will include the win win-loss. So in last place we have the man we just spoke to which is Salt Bro. He, <laughs> he's he taking out the Kings. <laughs> and he's taken out on every one of his team apart from Miami who were like the most disappointed. Anyway, we're not getting kids. They, they, are, they are the reason I'm below. If, if Miami was 500, I'd be solidly mid-table. So they, I'm, they're starting to piss me off to be fair. And if we draft the Kobe, I'm sure we have titles, but it ain't it didn't happen. Yeah, he's not got the jersey on this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Salt so, so Bray. Bray is in last place. 54 wins, 65 losses. You are at a percentage of 45, basically. 0.45. Your best team is the Boston Celtics. Yep. And your worst team is the Timberwolves. We move into fourth place. Dropping one is one bar Wildy. You have 57 wins and 64 losses. You're at 47% to 0.47. Your best team is Philae. And your worst team is Detroit. Just above you, with 55 wins and 61 losses, also on 47%, uh, but a little bit higher, is Lancashire Lambert. Your best team is the Denver Nuggets, 12-8. And your worst team is the Washington Wizards at 4-13. and 13. It's very close between you guys. It's, it's almost identical. He's, uh, just been place, he's just been chipping away slowly. He has been. I've, he's I've just, been chipping oh, away. I just got, he just got me in the back. <laughs> these these um, little piranha just snapping at the ankles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In, in second place, House of 03, Jord coming along nicely. Coming along nicely. 66 wins, 58 losses, 0.53%. Your best team is the Lakers, and your worst team, really struggling at the moment, is the Pels. Yeah. And since the leaderboards, um, since we've been tracking it, he remains in the top spot, and that is House Lasku. He is 72 wins, 56 losses with a percentage of 0.56. His best team is the Utah Jazz, edging out the clips. And his worst team is the Magic, who have fallen off. Um, just bear in mind, Ed has played the most games out of everyone here. Uh, Matt Harris, you've played the least. A lot to play for, but biggest big changes for Lancashire Lambert. You know, he's starting to move up the leaderboard, starting to catch up with people. I just hope the gap can be closed at the top because... Just, just look at the door. Just look at the door. That's all I have to say. The door's shut. 
Yeah. Hold Luca the door. and the Mavs Hold are going to barge through that door Ooh. once they sort out their damn roster. <laughs> think, uh, safe to say, I think we won the Richardson Curry trade. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's, uh, that's I up. hope you not get knocked out in the second round. Gosh. Chance so much shit. Well, you won't be there. Yeah, I was going to say. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about us. <laughs> I'm not anyway, going to say because my Hawks should be making it this year and I'm not going to put any juju towards the Sixers because if they go up against the Hawks, I know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe. <laughs> um, we go to Game 7, baby. Game <laughs> 7! <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah, so that wraps up the division discussions we are going to take a short break and we're going to head to our new segment